Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. We pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Laws are suffocating, aren't they? When a toddler has to go to his room for two minutes because he won't listen to mom or dad, it's as if judgment day has come and the whole world is collapsing. It's not, you know, it's not so much different, though, when you get older. It's a condition of our sinful nature uh, to, to hate laws. Uh, because laws hem us in. They confine us. And, and we have laws and, and governments that God has put in place which, which keep us from hurting ourselves and others, which necessarily restricts our freedom. And while we might think that the, the, the solution, the, the source of freedom and joy, would be no laws, no restrictions, and even no suffering, yet God's Word shows us that there's freedom not in lawlessness, but freedom in truth. God's word is truth. All of it. The law and the gospel. Even the law is truth. So even the truth of God's law, while it might sting, the truth of God's law gives freedom. And even it gives joy. This is especially true in the face of what we would call natural disasters. For instance, when Peter and the other disciples are are on the Sea of Galilee and a big storm comes upon them and they're afraid that they're going to die and drown, they basically, and do, lose their faith. And yet Jesus calms the storm despite their faith, in spite of the lack of their faith. The natural law preached by that storm and then God's mercy that was shown in spite of their lack of faith showed them that their salvation, their life, did not depend on them. And so they had freedom. They had joy. Years later, when the disciples are being persecuted and killed by their government and they're suffering and they wonder whether or not this is a result of their lack of faith. They can remember the words of Jesus, which he spoke in the context of our gospel lesson from today. And remember that Jesus said, no, these things are going to happen. These things were going to happen. These things, this suffering has been promised. God said this was going to happen. And this relieves them. It gives them freedom, the freedom that their situation, even their difficult situation doesn't rely on the strength of their faith or the lack of their faith, but rather on God's mercy. And so even in their suffering under unjust laws, gives them freedom, gives them joy. In the same way, people might wonder today whether or not natural disasters or viruses or suffering come as a result of, for instance, Uh, our country's godlessness, or because of particular leaders. 
And so they feel the burden is on them to make their more country godly, uh, make their country more godly again in the hopes that, that, that they'll make all the problems disappear. But we can look to, to God's word as the disciples did and, and see that, no, God said these things were going to happen. If America had a, a godly king like King Solomon or a godless tyrant like Hitler, these things would happen regardless. Suffering will happen. Disasters will happen. Plagues will happen. Earth is not heaven. And that's especially true of individual countries. There's no country on earth that has more or less of God's favor than another. And while that might sting because it's the law, and it lets us know that we're not at the center of the universe, there's freedom there. Because it frees us up from worrying about it. And rather allows us to, to put our trust not in what we see and experience, the good things around us, but rather put our trust in God's word and in God's mercy. God has mercy and will help us in spite of our lack of faith. And not only our lack of faith, but our leaders and our countries and even our worlds. God's mercy then frees us to pray for our leaders. Uh, even our leaders that, that make rules or, or laws that inconvenience us or even treat us harshly because we are Christians seeking to do God's will. God's mercy even frees us to pray for leaders of other countries that want to kill us. God's great mercy means something in how we deal with our leaders. And that's what St. Peter is getting at in our epistle lesson. In our epistle lesson, St. Peter is instructing us how we should live as Christians between Ascension and Pentecost and the last day when Jesus returns. He says that we will be spoken against as evildoers. We'll be slandered as evildoers. We'll be falsely accused of doing evil. We see this in our day, don't we? We see this in, in things like abortion and what we say about abortion, how it's wrong and and what we say about sexual uh, relations outside of the bond of marriage between one man and one woman. I know good Christians who are fearful and afraid and ashamed to state their beliefs on these issues uh, in public because they know it contradicts what their, uh, their bosses and their, those in authority over them believe. And, what their bosses, uh, and while their bosses and those in authority believe themselves to be tolerant and loving, they have silenced Christians by fear of what will happen to them. In the name of tolerance, they, they curse and swear and mock anyone who disagrees with them. They are called good <clears throat> while, uh, even while they do evil. Meanwhile, Christians are called evil even while they do good. St. Peter speaks to anyone who has felt this pressure. But St. Peter also says to not just not stop from doing good, but whatever you do, do it honorably. That is, don't use your freedom in Christ and what you know to be true to do the same things that those around you who mock you and ridicule you would do. In other words, don't be a jerk because everyone around you is. Peter says, for this is God's will, that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Do this as free people. And do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, 
but use it as servants of God. Honor everyone. Honor everyone? Even those leaders that, that don't care about us as Christians? Even those leaders that, that might make laws against us? Yes, even them. Peter gives the example of a slave. He says, slaves, submit to your masters with total respect, not only to those who are good and kind, but also to those who are harsh. I think the per perfect example of this in Scripture would be King David before he was made king. God promised that David would be king after Saul uh, because Saul by that time had already hardened his heart toward God. But now Saul was jealous of David, and he tried to kill David. And before he did, Saul actually went on a rampage and, and killed all the priests of God. There's no going to church for King David. And then Saul, in his rage, pursued David with 3,000 men. This was not justice, but, but absolute rage, pure evil. As it happened, Saul went into a cave and as the Bible says, to, to relieve himself. But David was there, and Saul, without knowing it, stepped within inches of David. David, with, with sword in hand, had, had every opportunity to kill Saul right then and there and, and end it all. But you know what David did? He didn't kill Saul. He just cut off the edge of Saul's robe. And afterwards, David actually says to his men that, that he felt guilty for doing even that because he destroyed some property of, uh, that belonged to his leader. And so David followed Saul out of the cave and, and shouted to him, My Lord, the King. And when Saul looked back at David, David bowed face down to the ground to show respect. This is how you science the ignorance of foolish people. Honor. It's the same reason God, God tells children to honor their father and mother. It glorifies God. Those you honor, even while they might do you harm and, and, and may not glorify God now because of your good works, they will glorify God because of your good works on the day he visits us. On the last day, the day when, when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All creation will finally be free from its subjugation by our sins. It will be free from natural disasters, from disease, from misfortune, from plague, from famine, from death, from every evil thing. St. Peter knows what we are going through because this is what he himself went through. He knows that our sorrowful waiting is real, and it is painful. And yet, in the meantime, we must submit to every human authority because God has charged them with watching out for our temporal good. God commands us to honor and obey in the same way that the church submits to Christ. Now, a special caution for our day. There are good Christians on both sides of the political spectrum and everywhere in between arguing about what to do. Is it most ethical to save as many lives as possible despite the economic cost? Or is it most ethical to open businesses because there's a great cost also to saving lives? 
you can watch that debate play out in the, the halls of government and social media. This also affects churches. Is it most ethical to allow churches to meet and minister to the real needs, of, uh, real spiritual needs of people in large groups, or is it not for the sake of personal physical health? There are no easy answers to any of this, no clear answers. And while on the one hand we, we, we need to be concerned and we want to be concerned about government overreach, we need to be very careful that we don't jump to the conclusion that, that someone who disagrees with our opinion is necessarily evil or that they necessarily must be persecuting us. Whatever the situation might be, whether we are persecuted or not, we should take Jeremiah's words to heart that he wrote in Lamentations. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. It is good to hope quietly in the salvation of the Lord. Waiting patiently is hard. That's why scripture says over and over again that those who wait are blessed. Now while the rest of the world might mock us for our beliefs and, and it may seem that they have the greater freedom uh, than we do because as Christians we are not free to return insult for insult or harm for harm, but instead are called to suffer for doing good. Even now, we are called to wait, to wait to gather communally just as King David was. But even while we wait and, and while we suffer under the confines of the law, we are free. And we're not just free, we are perfectly free. By God's grace, we are subject to no one, not even ourselves, not even our own sin, not even death. God has forgiven our sins. God has removed every obligation, every burden of the law, every obstacle in our way to eternal salvation. And completely, by His grace, God has promised us salvation that is not dependent on anyone or anything. And this frees us to, to love even those we think are our enemies, because they too, as Peter says, are our brothers. They are fellow human beings who are loved and redeemed by God for the sake of Jesus. And Jesus said in our gospel lesson, We will weep and wail, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. So you have sorrow now, but Jesus says, I will see you again. Your heart will rejoice, and no one, and take that joy away from you. As we look forward to that day, the day when the Lord returns, the day, the day of the Lord's visitation, when he'll return and, and we remember that Jesus, even now, is sitting at God's right hand in control over all things, all earthly authority Jesus has placed over us. He is in control. And we do, as our opening hymn said on this Jubilate Sunday, Rejoice, the Lord is King. Your Lord and King adore. Mortals give thanks and sing and triumph evermore. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say, rejoice. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.